Welcome to The Sendcast. My name is Daniel Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B-Squared and the host of The Sendcast. And if this is your first Sendcast, then welcome to the podcast. The aim of the podcast is really simple. We want everyone to learn more about special educational needs and disability. And this is a really easy way of learning. In this episode, we'll be discussing haircuts for children and young people with additional needs. My guest is Craig Henderson. Craig is a barber and has two children that are on the spectrum, and he uses his own personal experience to help others and runs a neurodiverse and gender-neutral barbershop in Bolton. And that is a long way from me, but I know people who go a long way to see him. And Craig is here to help us all. But first of all, this same cast is created and produced by us here at B-Squared. We are here to help show the small sets of progress pupils with SCND make. And we help schools to show progress in lots of different ways, including our framework called Autism Progress, which is designed to help you understand how a child's autism impacts them and how you can support them better. But as well as that, did you know you can use B-Squared's assessment software for more than just people with SEND? You can now assess all pupils in one system, saving you time, saving you money, and making doing whole school data so simple. Visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me and I will take you through what our assessment software can do for your school. Let's get on with the podcast. On this week's show, we're discussing haircuts for children and young people with additional needs. My guest is Craig Henderson. Craig has been a barber for over 10 years, and he has two children that are on the spectrum. Craig uses his personal experience to help others and not only runs a neurodiverse and gender-neutral barbershop in Bolton, but has also developed PEX cards for the hair industry. Welcome to the show, Craig. Hi, Dale. How are you? I'm good, Dale. I'm good, I'm good. Excellent. Nice day off for a change. Hey, Lots of children with additional needs struggle with having their hair cut. It can be an extremely stressful time for everyone involved. Oh, it can massively, massively, because they've all got different needs. They've all got different triggers and different adaptations that's needed for doing a haircut. And they have like a raw brain, like broad spectrum of different people with additional needs coming to the shop, being autistic, being nonverbal autistic, being paraplegics. Or ADHD, there's there's loads of different people who come into the shop and it's adjusting my cut and towel to suit them. Excellent. So I know my experience is what I've known is a lot of children don't like the clippers because it is noisy, it's that vibration, it's right on their head, and a lot of them don't like that. That's my that's what that's what I know of it. But is there anything else? Is it's probably a huge spectrum. Well, Especially with the autistic type of clientele, it's mainly sensory. So, like you said, the clippers is a big trigger. Yeah. But from the gowns, that's a massive trigger. So, even as simple as the comb I use as well. So, using a fine tooth comb can make and freak out because it's just scraping the hair. So, if I'm aiming for, I end up using a wider tooth comb to make it a bit more easier and a bit more adaptation. And I tend to do a lot more scissor work. And then right. desensitise them to the clippers eventually, so introduce them. So I'll let them feel them. I've got a pair of clippers where I've took the cutting blade out so they can listen to the noise of the clippers and feel them, but they won't cut any hair. 
and they play around with that quite a lot why I'm doing doing the service so they can understand the feel of it. And then slowly I'll introduce it, even if it's just a little bit of the nape on the neck or a little bit near the ears, because that's a big area of the ears. So it's just slowly introducing these things instead of pressuring them into it. Yeah. That's the thing. I think with the ears, you end up having to bend them, touch them, fold them over to get around them. And some of the children won't like that. Oh, no. It's a massive trigger. And I usually just, it's just freehand. So when I started cutting her, I weren't allowed to use clippers. I had to do everything with scissors. So that taught me a really good skill. And I've carried that on since. So I can probably get to about grade two back in size with scissors. So it's really close, and that's pretty much a standard haircut for most boys. Yeah. So if the kid's in a comfortable place, I can get them to that, and the parents are like, I'm mesmerized. Like, you've done that without clippers. I'm like, yeah, it's just, just what I do. And then sometimes they get comfortable with that, and eventually we can get them used to using clippers Yeah. all the time. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, I, yeah, I completely forgot about the whole the apron type thing, that cloth going over them. That's good. There's a lot actually going on. It's not just the noise of the clippers. There's a lot going on in that environment, which can cause distress and things like that. So how do you, from with a child who doesn't want to get their hair cut, doesn't want to come in, kind of how do you start that process? Because a lot of people will be going... Actually, sitting in a chair is like step 12. Yeah. What's your kind of journey from kind of just getting them to come into the barber shop and going through everything they're going to experience? How do you kind of start there? Well, the first step, I always said to parents, the biggest win is getting them into the shop. Because once you're in the shop, that's a huge win. Because it's a new environment, a new setting, they're meeting a stranger for the first time. And as we know, children with autism, you tell them strangers are bad. And don't interact with strangers, and they see things black and white, regardless of what whatever it is. So they're putting them into an uncomfortable situation straight away. And then all I do at the start is try getting the personal space. Yep. So I'll try to be around them, play with toys with them, get them to know me a bit, play with her with my hands, don't use any equipment, and then eventually introduce the comb slowly, and then slowly introduce the scissors. So if it's cutting my arm, her to show me it doesn't hurt. Yeah, and combing my arm her. I call my arm, but I've not got any, so I've got to comb something. And then it's just slowly building them up. And even if we cut off a minuscule amount of like a fringe or a nape and a neck, it's a massive win. And it usually takes about eight haircuts to get them from being in the shop to sitting in the chair. Some take longer because it's a, it's the trust exercise. Yeah, it's not. I don't lead this service. The child leads the service. So they can run around the shop freely. They can do. They can have it cut outside. They can have it cut outside the floor. If they want to sit in the chair, they can sit in the chair. If they want to sit on my desk chair and spin around the shop on my wheelie chair, they can do. Wherever they're comfortable, I'll do it. And it's given them no restrictions. Within reason, obviously, we're touching like sharp scissors and straighteners yeah. and stuff. But it's given them that freedom to be them, not being restricted and pressured, and let them choose when they want to wear a gown. So if they come in early and they see it, someone having a going on, they start registering things like this, thinking, well, that's what I'm meant to do, so this is what I will do, because that's part of the routine of getting a haircut. Yeah. And they start, once they start regulating through it, they might scream for the entire haircut, but that's a regulation process for them. And there's a difference between noise and upset. Yes. That's... You've got to know 
when to stop. Yeah. As in, like, as a, in the her, because if they're just making noise, they're just making noise. They're, discom- they're uncomfortable, and that's all it is. But if they're crying and in tears and unconsolable, that's when you stop. But when they scream and you walk away, like if you answer the phone or something, and they, re- they come back to a normal level within like a couple of seconds, you know it's just noise. And they're just trying to regulate through the emotions of it because it's very difficult for them. That makes sense. That's quite interesting that you say it takes eight, it, on average, it takes about eight haircuts or eight sessions before they're sitting in the barber's chair. That's, that's, a, long, that's a long process that they have to go through. But it, I think for parents, it's nice to hear that there are barbers out there who completely understand that that is often what it takes. Yeah, and it's just having the patience and understanding and knowing and educating other people in the salon. Because I'm lucky I'm on my own, and I'm looking for staff, but they will be educated the same way. Because if a kid comes up to them and goes in the personal space because they've no special awareness, and he touches his clippers by accident or touches his comb or touches anything, is he going to get angry that this kid's coming in his personal space? And even for the client, that might be what he's doing. The client's got to understand as well that if the kid touches them or pulls a gown just being in jest, he can't get angry because he's got a bit of hair on his pants or so on, little things like that. Yeah, it's a lot of education involved with this, and it's a lot of understanding as well. Even like with paraplegics having the safe space to pull a ch- your barber's chair out or your hairdressing chair to accommodate him in the wheelchair, or a kid with Down syndrome because they'll just rock around in the chair and throw themselves around because it's another sensory aspect, and they can be really strong. So it's just letting them be in a relaxed place. Just sit on the floor. They might wear a gown, but sit on the floor and cut the on the floor. So it causes it might cause minimal risk of things being damaged. Because they don't know their own strength, some of these children and some of these adults. So it's just working with them and picking the right equipment and the right time and the right setting and everything to make it perfect for them. Nice, nice. So in the information you sent me, you, you it says you, you work with schools and nurseries. So what is it you do with schools and nurseries around hair? So I go to a specialist nursery in Bolton, which is from, I think it's six months old to about going into primary school level. Yep. And it it's introducing them to the her service in a comfortable setting, what's familiar to them. Yep. So I'll introduce the scissors, the clippers, the palms, and hopefully do haircuts on the day. And so help them desensitize experience so when they get further on in that the school career, they can go into a hairdresser's or a barber's shop, which is neurotypical, as we like to call it, and sit there comfortably without the parents being stressed, full of anxiety, and wonder what's going to happen next. Because we've got to get them ready for situations like this. These are, these are essential life skills, what they need to do. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of times is there have been bad haircuts, and that's kind of that child set haircuts are bad, and that's how life is. Whereas what you're doing is you're trying to get in early and sort of show, look, this is what a haircut, this is what's involved, and um, kind of help them understand the process and that all, all, all that sensory and explore the equipment, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because you've got to show them what it's about. And same with the secondary school, but that's like a higher level because they've never been given that guidance and that understanding. They've been sent to a barber shop, the parents have pinned them down or the barber's pinned them down, and it's instant fear. And like I mentioned before, I'm a stranger. And you tell any child, don't talk to strangers, they're not going to talk to strangers, and that's me. 
scissors are sharp, don't play with scissors. I'm coming towards them with a pair of scissors and I'm a stranger. It's going to set, send anyone off the Richter scale and free coach straight away, naturally. And I think in reality, barbers are the people who invade your personal space, The apart from doctors, but you don't generally see doctors that often. So barbers are the ones who do invade your personal self the most in your life. And you've, you've got to be comfortable with that. And that's a big challenge. As you said, stranger, danger, sharp things, and sensory going on, it says a lot. Oh, there's a hell of a lot going on. <laughs> and it's just making that comfortable. Even from the background music you've got playing in your shop, and lighting, everything's, there's a big thing to accompany everything, like from how the comfy the chairs are, and it's all these little things you've got to think of, it's the seams on the chairs, but how the seams on the chairs, there's every little thing you've got to think about, even if it's putting a gown over the seat, so it's seamless. So you just got to think about all these little things to make it comfortable for them, and let them lead everything. So from your clipper choice to your comb choice to your scissor choice because they get excited over the smallest of things like I had a girl and she had rainbow straighteners and she was so excited about these straighteners. It were unbelievable. And like the hair dryer, there's literally everything you got to think about. It's not just cutting hair anymore for me. And I do do the normal typical clientele and they see what I do and they're like blown away that... I give them that time and I give them that patience. Yeah. So it, it's brilliant to do. So I'm guessing that working in the secondary school is probably takes a lot more work with those children than in the nursery because the nursery, they're kind of either they haven't had that experience yet or maybe once, but they're quite small. Whereas I think when you get to secondary school, you would have had a number of haircuts and that kind of fear of barbers and that whole experience would be more entrenched in them through their own personal experience. And you've then got to spend your time kind of working through those entrenched feelings. Yeah, we're doing it. Takes tap. Some, they've never had a haircut because the parents have apprehended that it is going to be a bad experience yeah. and never taken them. So they don't know what to expect. We've got a few who does hate the spirits completely, like you say, because it's been entrenched. And then you've got the others who like having a haircut, but don't like it in done in a normal way. So with the going on and all the rest of the other stuff, like goes with it, like sitting in a barber's chair, and they'll happily have it cut at home all day long, but they'll happily come to a barber's shop, but it's got to be on their terms. So there's got to be no one in the shop. They've got to be the first one in. No one can walk in. No one can walk out. That type of thing. Yeah, And I run mine all by appointments only, so they don't have any of that. Yeah, you get the odd walking, popping in, but sometimes it flares them up a bit, but you settle them back down again and you make them realise that it is a barbershop. People are going to walk in. You have to get used to these situations, even as something as similar as me using the wax on the last customer and there's still traces about my hand slightly and they can smell that. They've got to get used to these little finer details in a barbershop because when they get later on in life, than going to university, they can't hide away from it because it's going to be there and they've got to make these leaps into society. Yeah. They've got to be accepted into society. And they're all we're all for equality of them, but there's unfortunate there's a lot of people who judge them yeah. when they walk in the shop. So if they can regulate by just listening to music when they're older or 
playing with a stim toy underneath a gown, what else and get through the experience later on in life, that'd be a big thing for them. This is why I do it the way I do it. I keep them within a shop dynamic. I don't separate them. Yeah. Where they put me in a separate room or book just do on a Sunday when there's no one else going to be in the shop completely. Yeah, there's no one going to be in the shop, but I still I don't stop doing my, neuro, my neurotypical clientele because I'm just doing the artistic clientele. I don't have set days they need to mix with each other. Yeah. So if someone comes in to pick up some wax, they can come in and then they see the kid sees them going, all right, well, not, this is what happens. People walk in, I'm opening the jars up, letting them smell the wax. So this customer is buying one. So they get used to the, all the things going on, like the hair dryer. If they come in early because I'm drying someone's hair off after finishing a service, all these little things, they've got to be witness to and they can't run away from it. No. Because it helps them build that resilience to it and that desensitization. This is why I call it a desensitization program. And it's all child led. Yeah. That makes a lot of, yeah. It's the senses and smells because there are often you've got, I mean, my barber does end up doing, you get 20 gel, do you want this? They put some spray on you, which is quite lemony. If they wash your hair, it smells of bubble gum. And whether or not you have it, as you said, if the person in before you's had it, you're going to hit those smells. You're going to be smelling those things. It's going to be around. And you can't make your barbershop kind of clinical where it's going to be exactly the same because it's really hard. But also, as you said, for their next barber, as they get more comfortable, that control isn't going to be there, and you've got and you've got to build them up and go. Yep, that might be there, but we're not going to use it. But you might still smell it from the previous person, and it's helping them build that acceptance of those things out of their control. Yeah, completely, exactly. And I think it's people are slowly getting better with it in this industry. There's still a lot of problems within the industry, but a lot of it is poor education and not understanding and not willing to give that extra 15 minutes yeah, or that extra half an hour or they're scared of losing money, some people. Because if you don't do anything on a day, they just have a full-on sensory overload in your shop from the first visit, from that's being sat outside screaming their heads off or just sat between the doorway and your shop screaming in like a little vestibule area or sat in your turf on your floor in your shop screaming. You can't really charge a parent for that experience because you've not really done that much and you've got to be making willing to make these sacrifices. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, we'll always get something done. I'll always try to get something done. Like I said, even if it's just a little bit snipped off, that's a massive win. That's a huge achievement because they've not had that before and they've not had someone understanding the child as much as I'd try to understand them. It's interesting. My wife gets her hair cut at home. She has a hairdresser which comes out and she does my wife and my daughter's hair. And I think with women, that is quite common that you have these hairdressers who will go around homes. But I've never heard of that for men. Have I got a few? I've done a few. I do a few myself. But with artistic ones, it's good to have them in that for setting you out being at home. But they're getting to get complacent being at home. This is why I encourage them to bring them to the shop. Yeah. Even if it, even if it's been booking an hour slot out and it's only going to take me half an hour, it gives that 15 minutes either side for regulation time. Yeah. Because I probably will have a sensory overload with it because it's a new setting. So we've just got to gently bring them into it. Because I do it in three stages. I've got like my half an hour appointment, which is pretty much when they're confident or an introductory, 
So it's not too much for me. It's not too overloading. It's just half an hour of my time just spent with them. Yeah. And then there's a 45-minute one where we're getting somewhere now. We're having a few overloads and having a few meltdowns here and there, but we're getting it done. So I can step yeah. back, walk away, let them regulate, come back. And then we've got the full hour where it's a bit more complex. So if, like, the parent needs to need to hold head constantly, if they're, like, terrible palsy or things like that, so or if they're extremely autistic or just little things like that, really. So we have it in three settings, and if more her professionals, like barbers and hairdressers, work to little things like this, it could make a big difference because the human beings at the end of the day, and everyone deserves a haircut, and this is why I do what I do, and this is why I run the barbershop the way it is. And this is why it's gender neutral. This is why... I'm neurodiagnosed friendly because everyone in the community deserves a haircut because we are a community service. Definitely. So you've mentioned kind of using, oh, I'm going to use the term wider comb, it runs a fine tooth comb. For other barbers or hairdressers, what kind of changes could they do? Is there any equipment changes they can do which makes life easier or, or sort of reduces that anxiety, reduces the sensory overload? Uh, you've got to say why two like your why two cones always a must because you've got to create as less tension as possible because pulling the hurt is going to hurt them regardless. Look, even if you're neurotypical, it's going to hurt you regardless. Yeah, but we can regulate it better. Correct choice in scissors, make sure your scissors are sharp so you're not pulling or snagging. And if you're a barber, the correct clippers because a lot of clippers are noisy and really overwhelming. And I use a brand called Gamma Plus which I'm luckily an ambassador for. And there's a one called the X-Ego, which is really quiet. The most clippers on the market, it's incredibly quiet, should I say. And it's got a low vibration rate. So using them, you've got probably more of a chance using clippers on a child. It might not be straight away, but they can feel it. And they can hear it, and it's a lot quieter. And they'll get used to that that being the quiet noise. And they'll go, all right, well, they're not as noisy as I thought. But then you can build up to the noisier clippers. To show them that, yes, they all make noise, but these are a lot quieter. So they get used to the feeling on the side and then bring it up, move the yep. clippers up level. So even if it's using the little trimmers at the end and they're notorious for being noisy. But if you can introduce these clippers to start and then build up to that, it's a good thing. And that gowns are a big one. So I use painting aprons, what used to in primary school yep. for children. So, because then it's like a jacket for them. Because I like wearing jackets, some you know, like atypical kids. So, like, get painting aprons, they're a bit different. And there's some good ones out there where we've got like foam collars and things like that. And then you can get gowns with foam collars, but you've got to let them lead that because it can be very strangulating for them. Yeah. Or have a, have a choice of gowns, let them pick, let them feel them, let them see how they feel in their hands, let them put them on their neck themselves and go, all right, I want that one. Just little things like that. Yeah, a choice of gowns does does make a lot of sense. And I suppose you've got the choice of most gowns I've ever had in a barber's are you get completely covered. But like with those painting atriums, you have the arms in, so the arms are separate. As you said, it's like wearing a jacket. And for some children, having to be able to see their arms and control their arms and move their arms might make a big difference. Yeah, because they'd be able to play with a tablet or it depends in what where they're orientated. Some, some are food-orientated, some are tech-orientated. Some are fidget toy orientated, some are destructive orientated, where you give them a magazine and they just tear it to shreds because that releases anger in a positive way instead of a negative way of violence, which I've learned. 
So that helps massively as well. And just educating staff, if you've got staff, let them know you've got a, a additional knee client in and what, what they struggle with so they can speak to the client, especially in a barber shop because it's very male-dominating. You don't want to be effing and jeffing every two minutes because it can happen in a barber shop. It's quite common. Yep. So educating the other members of staff so they can speak to the client and go, right, oh, Dave's got his, this person in today. We, can you just keep it down a little bit? Can we turn the music down for half an hour? Or can you explain to your customer not to effing Jeff and a kid might come up to you and it might, he might pull the cape or he might get in your personal space. Can you just be a bit friendly with him? And just little things like that, just educate them. That's the thing. I think it is, it, it's, it's, you said, it is, as well as being a community service, it is the barbershop, inside that barbershop, it is a community because you, ha- you are in there, but you're also in there with the barbershop, you're with the barbers, but you're also with the other customers and everyone needs to be, we all need to be more accepting that maybe people struggle with this, people have different things, stuff going on, and it's just, yeah, just helping everyone be a little bit aware. Not that anything will be really, we're not expecting much of them, but just, you know, just be calm, be friendly, be happy. Yeah, just be courteous for that brief moment. Yeah. Because you might never come across them again. No. No. That's the thing. It is this, you don't have to understand why as a customer. You don't have to, or just be nice. It's not a huge cost, that is it? Being nice, it's free. No. But just, just bring the edge down. Don't be on edge. Exactly. So obviously we're talking about from the point of view of the child, the stress of having a haircut, but it's also extremely stressful for the parents. They know it needs to happen and generally they know it's going to be a fight because of past experience or hearing other stories. They might have not have taken their child to a barber because of hearing other stories. So what can parents do to kind of make going to a barber's more successful? Social stories always help. They're quite a big one. So, because I'm more than welcome, like the clients who want to come to me, I'll send them pictures of myself, pictures of the shop, just so they can put them in the social stories. Yeah. Or introduce, introduce I think it's children's novels. There's one called Freddy the Fish with Fingers. That's a big one. That's what I recommend for it's quite a lot. That's a really good book for get children into like the barber shopping, getting used to the barber shop experience. I can't remember who the author is for that one, but it's called Freddy the Fish with Fingers. And just like play with the her, getting used to the sensations of it being lifted up or pulled slightly or just gentle tuggies and things like that. And then when they're in the barber shop, bring a bring a clean clean t shirt. Work out what this what watch them at home. What loses them in that moment? Well, you can't get any attention. Is it food? Is it the tablet? Is it toys? Or is it the destructive stuff I mentioned? Do they like ripping things up? Let me know so I can help accommodate at our time. So I can buy some fresh fruit, say, if you need to pick some up. Or do I need to get keep my tablet charged up because he needs technology? And what apps does he love? And I'll look for that app and see if I can get that on my tablet to accommodate the child to say if you bring in yours. Because this is to make it as stress-free as possible for you. I want the parents to sit down and just relax and let me run right up, basically run around my shopping chase after them. You don't have to come <laughs> down. You don't have to do anything. All the thing I probably ask you to do is probably console them. 
when you're having a sensory overload because you know how to do that better than I do. Yep. So that's probably the only thing I ask really of parents and just being patient and understanding because we're not going to get them a skin fade. We're not going to get them a short back inside perfectly. And it's going to be a perfect haircut one day, but it's not going to happen straight away. And you've got to understand that it's a process. Yeah. So the parents and the caregivers just need to be understanding that I'm not going to do a, It's not going to be an haircut on the first visit. If it is, that's a bonus. Even if it is a number four, that's a bonus from my yep. experience of working with these children and adults. So it's just being understanding and being just let no just let it happen and see what happens on the day. And would you recommend that sort of parents go talk to the barbers first and go kind of say, look, I want to bring my child in. These come with difficulties and explain that it's best not to use clippers or beginning like that. But also, as you can go and find out when is a good time, when is it quieter, is it best to come in early morning, things like that. Because that, in reality, any, any little thing you can find out which will make life better and easier for your child is going to be good. And it's going to be, I suppose, correlating when the child is more regulated and when does that fit in with your ability to go to the barber shop and when they're quiet. Because if they say they're quiet at half three, which they generally never are because everyone seems to come from school and get a haircut, they might need time to regulate at that point and bring come down after school before exactly. going on to the barbers. So it's do you, would you recommend that parents go talk to the barbers first? Oh, most definitely. And ask them about the skills and what, what they can do and what their abilities are like. Because no barber should take offence to their skills because it'll grow up their ego, which is quite common in this industry. Don't grow up my ego because I, I, I do this for no ego growth. I do this to make a difference. But unfortunately, this industry is full of egos. So if you're asking a barber what your skill set's like, they'll create tech questions and showing you what they can do because they're proud of it. I do it because I love it and I enjoy it. I don't do it for monetary value. I do it because I enjoy it. But ask them questions like that. Can you, can you do it all with scissors? Can you show me some examples of what you can do all with scissors? So I wonder what our end goal is going to be and what the parents' or expectations are going to be in the end by when they get to this process and things like that. Ask them, have they got, what time is, like I said, the quietest time for coming? Because I'm fortunate I'm on my own. Any time's quiet. Yep. But in a barbershop when there's six members of staff, it's a bit difficult. But if they're all doing appointments, in theory, every time's a quiet time because they're focusing on one client at a time. Yeah. So they should be very accommodating. And how big's the shop? That's another thing as well. Because it can't be too big, it can't be too small. Have you got space to walk around comfortably? Is it a long shop? Then it makes it more difficult. All these little feet things you've got to think about as a parent. And what's the lighting like? Because some have sensory to light, like my son. He has to wear blue light glasses when he goes outside because the sun hurts his eyes. So is the lighting going to be too much? Is the light going to bounce off the mirrors too much to affect the child? There's all these little things you've got to look at as a parent, and there's a lot to take in as a parent, but you're taking enough in as it is. Now it's time for the like barber or hairdresser to take the stress away from you for half an hour, 45 minutes on one day, give you a brew and sit down and let me get on with it. So you're just going to look at everything as a whole package. Yeah, and my local barbers, they have a big TV up with like a music channel on, so it's constant music with a beat, which is quite relaxing for me, but not for everyone. 
No. And it might be you go, look, they're coming, is that possible that that's, that's turned down or turned off? And they should be able to accommodate that. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not for the full day. No. It's just for half an hour, 45 minutes. If that radar's turned down just for that short period of time, and if anyone else has got a problem with that, I don't know why they should have a problem with it. It's just half an hour. They're not going to lose an earlobe or ears for like that brief period of time. It just it angers me, stuff like that, that they won't accommodate and adjust for people for that short period of time. No, it makes no sense, really. One of the things I've mentioned in, in, in the introduction is you've developed PEX cards for round haircuts, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, we have. How did that come about? Well, I've, I've, I've seen kids use them in the past, and I've got a few deaf customers who come in as well. And I know they're specifically designed for non-verbals. So I'm thinking, right, we've got scissors, haircut, and all the rest of it in the normal pet cards, what they bring in the parents. So I thought, right, well, let's take it to the next level. Let's take put everything in there. So I've got emotions, so they can explain how they're feeling. So are they angry at that time? Is it making them angry? Are they worried about the experience? Are they happy to be here? So I've got all the emotions in there. And then I've got each individual piece of equipment I'm going to use. So from the barber's chair to the backwash to the hair straighteners, so it's targeted for the whole industry and then for later on in life. And in the back, it's got numbers zero to eight, so the clipper numbers. So if they are non-verbal later on, they can point to what number they want and give them that sole independence of what haircut they're in. So they can point to what and point to clippers and point to the size of their heads. And same with the deaf community. They can do exactly the same. Nice. So I developed them to make it easier and give them the independence. Like I said before, it's all led by them. It's not led by me. I'm not going to come and go, right, I'm doing this to you today. Let them lead it. Yeah. And let them lead the experience. And this is why I come up with them and develop them, because there's nothing really for the hair industry to help them communicate. But there is in, like, the special educational needs sector, but there's only a little, not massive section, it's only a little minute section of a general gist of what happens. Yeah. So just giving them a more elaborate way of explaining it better, from picking to the thinning scissors or the scissors and so on and so on. So obviously I go in and I say uh, number three on top, two at the sides, and number three on the beard. and get my That's nice and simple, and everyone gets that in the barber's industry. And they go, natural or square? And you're referring to the back of the neck. and you, That's all kind of, everyone gets that. But how do you, when you have someone coming in, how do you, does, is it the child's kind of, you talk about getting a four on top, I think that how, how does that whole conversation around what hairstyle is that, do you have that with the parents? Are you trying to get the child involved in that? Are you showing them different pictures? How does that work? A lot of it's parent-led when they're a lot younger. And then the teenager ones, it's usually image-based. Yep. And then I'll replicate back with them with a different image to give them the real expectation. Because if they set that in their head, that's a real expectation and that's what they want. And if it doesn't look like that, the whole world's going to break loose. Or hell's going to break loose, should I say. Because it doesn't look like that. So yes. I'll, sh- I'll show them stuff that I've done on like neurotypical clients to show it, this is possible, but it won't look like that, it'll look like this. So it's giving them a real expectation of a real-life scenario, not a photographed image. Because a lot of the time, the photo they choose is going to be a celebrity with all the makeup, everything done perfectly, looking really smart, and they're going to come to you and go, I want to look like him, and you're going to go, 
yeah, there's a lot, of, there's a lot more going on there than you realize. <laughs> and you're basically saying you're aiming for that, but yeah. this is more realistic. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's what I do because it's notorious. There's a lot of catwalk haircuts out there and we do, we all do it. We do it for our collections. We all have collections in this industry and we post them to get the social media following and the likes and getting magazines and publications for the work we do and what for awards and things like that. So it's just giving them the actual reality of what it's going to be like without all the enhancements on. Yeah. This is why I do it. And I suppose, do you have to, because there's various styles, and I like the put no effort in styles, which are great. But obviously some styles require maintenance. They require products. So do you kind of go through that with them? So they come in with a picture of that and you're knowing that there's hair gel in there, that's, that's all that. Do you go through that with them and explain that you're not going to look like that when you wake up? Yeah, we have to do that. I do that quite a lot, a hell of a lot, to show them that it's going to need products or I can cut it like this and it won't need any product. So it's adapting yeah. the her to her lifestyle as well. Yeah. So you've got to think about all that. How, how long does it take them to regulate in the morning? How long are they stressed from the night before from doing coursework if it's a college student? Are they going to regulate through it? And then they're going to get stressed about the her because the her is everything. Because it images everything because they're trying to fit in. They're trying to fit in these social circles. They're trying to be the norm, as we say. So you've got to accommodate all that as well. And talking yeah. through the wax and let them smell the, let them smell the wax. Let them go, all right, well, that, I like that one. That might work for me. Let them feel the consistency. There's loads of little things you've got to think about. And like I say to parents of like young children who struggle with getting them shampooed, I say, take them to Asda, go to the Elson Balsam range, because they do all different flavours and different scents. Let them smell it and let that let, let be sensory led. Let them pick the shampoo. Yeah. So it all boils yeah, back no, down to being sensory. It does. And that's the thing, I think with hair care products, you've got all like the gels and stuff, which you're literally sticking your hand into slime. And then you've got to put yep. that on your head. But that's not necessarily how your hair will feel later in the day. I used to have quite spiky hair. Like when I used to go clubbing, it was like three, four inch long spikes, which were absolutely rock solid. And you've got this understanding. I'm going to put something on wet. My hair is going to go rock solid. And at the end of the night, I can't just go to bed. I actually have to keep washing my hair until that stuff comes out and it's softened enough that I can actually go to bed. And there's so many things, those products that I know in which my daughter's growing up when they go get their hair cut and it's great that day, the next morning it's a very different style because they're not doing it the way the hairdresser's done it. Oh, yeah, it's quite quite common that. Because we've got a knacker does styling her really well. That's why he pays, pays to do. And you trying to replicate it at home is now impossible. Yeah. Because I'm above you. I'm not in a, I'm in the mirror, yeah, but I'm above you. So I can see what I'm doing. You can't see what you're doing. So you've got to make it as easy as possible for them to replicate at home. And this is why you've got to talk them through it. Even neurotypical, you've got to talk them through it. Because the amount of customers who say, why can't you be my host in the morning to sell my hair? Because I can't replicate the way, the way you've done it. But if you can make it as easy as possible for them and not make it like a catwalk haircut and make it an everyday wear haircut, it works out better. Yeah, definitely. Anything else, any other advice you can give around haircuts? for parents, for barbers, or for the young people themselves? Ask a lot of questions. That's a big one. 
make sure you're always asking questions. If you're not sure about the process, how it's going to work, ask and see how they're going to accommodate. Yep. How can they accommodate your child or your your young adult or whoever's coming to the shop? How can they accommodate depending what needs they have? And just patience and be understanding. Because you know it must be painful for them going through it and you want the answers for everything. And I don't have the answers for everything. And the parents don't, unfortunately. But together, if we work together, we can get to the service in the end. Because we've both got separate yeah. skills we can bring to the table as a parent and a caregiver and me as being the parent professional. So you can let me know what triggers him. And then I can let you know what I can do to help with that trigger in that situation. So it's just being a partnership and keeping that consistency. I'm the same barber, the same hairdresser, the same time, preferably. Little things like that. And just find someone who will understand and give you that patience. Yeah. Because I think most of us do get our haircuts. Some of us like a Saturday morning haircut. We do it anyway. But it just it's, it makes more sense if you have that expectation. They know when it's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen afterwards. I am someone who, especially when I get the back of the head shaved, is I will generally I plan in to I get my hair cut, I go home, I have a shower, and I put on a fresh t shirt every time. I hate that itchiness. So it's just the haircut doesn't end when you walk out the barbers. If you have though all that short hair is you might have to go home and change. As you said, you can take a t-shirt with you, which can make a big difference for me. I just make sure I have a shower. Once I've finished, go home, have a shower, put on a new t-shirt and then I'm ready. But that's me. But a lot of people I think will have the same experience. Oh yeah, massively. And like I said, if you can't be vocal and explain, it becomes even more difficult. Yeah. So it's it's working through past experiences, what you've had, and it relate them back to whoever's cutting the hair that day. So this is what he, this is what happens in this situation. That's what happens in that situation. If the phone goes off, this is what he's going to do. Just all them little key things, what you what you think are trivial, could make a big difference. But there's, there's no point in hiding those things and hoping they won't happen. It's, you've got to do the opposite of these might happen. And this is what we need to do. Don't kind of hide from it because anyway, you're kind of setting it up to fail. You've got to be as open as possible so you can build that trust with the barber or hairdresser so you can all support the child. Yeah, and even simple as coping mechanisms. So I've got a kid who nips me to cope through the experience. So I'll just nip me to death while he's doing it. So we've got to do positive reinforcement then. So I've got to get to do high five every time he nips me. And you've got to explain this to your barber. If he, if he lashes out when he's stressed or like overwhelmed, does he kick out? Does he slap? Does he bite? Does he nip? Little things like that. Because most barbers and addresses won't stand for it, being kicked or punched or spat at or verbally abused. Because no one would. But if you explain this to barber, he can understand that it's, not, it's short term. He's not doing it on purpose. He's just upset and he's distressed. We can get through this. Let him yeah. regulate and let him come through it and use positive reinforcement. So he slaps you, time to give you a high five, just to give positive reinforcement. So adjust the, the negativity into positivity. Yeah. If he starts hurling abuse, you try to get him to sing his favourite song, find out his favourite song of his parents, 
little things like that. So it's just re- positive reinforcement with everything. And keep positive. If you do one cut, go, well done, and praise the child. Use the name. Like, how do you know my name? But make sure you know the name. Make sure you know the name as soon as you walk in the shop. So it shows a friendly it shows a friendly greeting that they know me. So he's, he can't be that much of a stranger. So that breaks a broad sometimes. So just little things like that. And the thing is, although this is a special needs podcast, and memory generally people think of it's about school on the podcast, because generally art is haircuts and barbers are one of those things that you just cannot avoid in your life, is you will have to have your hair cut every couple of months or sooner if you like your hair cut nice and short or nice and neat. But it's something you cannot avoid. You've got to have your hair cut, and it is a very stressful experience for some, and it is something which needs discussing because you're one barber in Bolton. Exactly. There's probably hundreds in Bolton. There's hundreds in Bolton. There's hundreds nationwide, countrywide. There's millions of us. There's a barber shop in every street corner. Now. There's, four, there's four barbers on my street on my street, and about nine hairdressers. And how we hold our own, we don't know. But luckily, I've been putting her, as I say, over 10 years, and I'm constantly busy. I'm booked up. Every Saturday now is booked up and now till September, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm lucky to be in that position. But there's so many of us. And if one more can do what I do within Bolton, that will alleviate some stress off me. Because I seem to be the go-to for pretty much the whole of the Northwest at the minute. But the first I've got now is Morecambe. Wow. Which is a hundred which is hundred and forty what did the parents say? Hundred and forty mile round trip. Forget the sun's haircut. That is ridiculous. But it shows you how much of it is a problem. The fact you booked up till September, and we're recording this in June, the fact 140 mile rounds, it said, it, and it is something that everyone has to have. You will go somewhere you trust and build that relationship. And I also like the fact that if another one opened up in Bolton, you're like, that's great. You're not going, I've got to fight and I've got to compete. You're going, that's great. I like that. I like the fact you're going, there needs to be more. It's not I'm the only one. It's I'm, I might be the first one. I might not be, but it is you, you're promoting it to everyone, which is great. Yeah, I think everyone should do it. Everyone should do it. Like I said in the, earlier in the podcast, we're a community service or serve your community. Serve everybody in your community, no matter who they are. Don't make judgment. Don't need to be horrible. You won't race it to an Afro-Caribbean who customer comes in because the neurotypical. So why should you judge an autistic client or a paraplegic or a Down syndrome child who comes into the shop? Yep. They still, they're still human beings. They still bleed red inside and they still deserve a haircut, no matter how difficult it is. So everyone deserves a haircut. Definitely. And it is community. It is all about that community. And we're all together. And we, we just, we've got to remember that, that it's... It is just I know I know my sister has struggled with all three of her boys and haircuts and she dreads it and it is something their whole family put off. But I'm guessing the family from Morecambe who come to you, it's not something they put off. It's it's not a just pop round the corner. Exactly. But it's probably They've chosen a 140-mile round trip to come to you over going to their local barbers, which means you must make a difference. You must make the whole process less stressful. 
Oh, yeah, completely. And I've, quite, I've had a few like that. I've had one from Halifax. So he comes down now every six weeks. And the first, when the first time he come, he had longer. And it was, I think, 14, 14, I think he is. And his dad said, just do what you can. I've had enough now. Because no one can cut his hair. I said, right, okay. So I sat down next to him side by side on the waiting area chairs. I said, give him no eye contact whatsoever, because that can be a big trigger. I said, right, what we're we doing today? He says, I just want to trim. I said, right, that's fine. So I spoke to his dad. I said, is that what he have? He said, yeah, he can have what he wants. He's a teenager. As long as it's cut and tidy and presentable, he can have whatever he wants. So I trimmed his hair. And then we got to the fringe, and his fringe were like halfway down his face, and he couldn't see. I'm thinking, right, here we go. This is going to be the difficult one now. I said, right, we're going to do your fringe now. And he said, no, you're not doing my fringe. I said, right, I understand it might be a comfort blanket for you so you can hide under it. But we're doing your fringe. So we're being black and white and just blunt, but sometimes has to happen. So yeah. I said, we're going to do it to the top of your bridge of your nose. So that's quite about six, that's about four inches taken off. So that's quite a lot. So we did it and he smiled instantly. I said, you did what you said. I said, I know I did what I said. I'm not going to mess about it. I'm doing what I've said, what I'll do, what I'll do. So in 15 minutes, I cut his hair. I booked him for 45 minutes because a pre-consultation with his mum and dad was saying, he's cutting his hair himself. He always kicks off in the barber shop. He never gets his hair cut. He just ends up screaming, so we end up leaving because we feel embarrassed. And they come from Halifax. And then we're like, no, he comes in with pictures of what he wants. It's like, I want this. Craig, can you do this? I mean, of course I can do that. I can work to that. It might look like this, like we talked about before. But, yeah, we could do this. And he comes in smiling now because it's a positive experience now. He sits in the chair, he picks the gown he has that day because some day he'll, he'll have the elasticated one, some day he'll have the Velcro one. But all depends how his experience has been that week in school. So is he on a sensory high or is he on a sensory low or is he just on an even keel? So he's on an even keel, he picks like the neoprene one where it lets no hair on it, it's a bit tighter on the neck. So he feels a bit more comfortable in the chair. So it's nice to see the success stories. And it's nice seeing the non-verbals start communicating. That's really nice because we've got a one who's at the nursery. He's an amazing little lad. He's non-verbal, but he's in primary school now. And he'll say, bye, Craig, now, and hi, Craig, and knock on the door when he's coming in and have, like, a full conversation with me in, like, broken broken languages. So it's really nice watching these kids grow and getting comfortable and getting used to being in this setting and me being that constant for them. It's interesting. We've got to most of the way or towards the end of the podcast, and we're now actually talking about the difference a haircut makes. That's the thing, is we all walk out of our hair, we get a, you get a haircut, and you're going, yeah, I look good now. But it's the same. It's, there's it's all this fear. It's not they don't want to look good. It's that the fear is in the process, isn't it? Oh, I mean, massively. It's a massive fear because it's the unknown, and no one's educated them through it. And no one's sat down and given them that time to understand it and reason with it before it all happens. You just sit down and get your hair cut done. You're forced in the chair. You've got to get it cut in the chair because that's the rules, supposedly. You've got to wear a gown and we've got to use these clippers and we've got to use these scissors. Nothing else, regardless of what, it, what your situation is. And we've got to use the hair dry to get all this hair off you. No, we don't. If you break the norm and break the mould and do it unorthodoxly, it'll work and it'll happen. But just being patient and understanding and explain it to the parents it will make it 10 times easier. So now you have children and young people who come to you and 
once they've once you've built that trust, they're happy to come and get their hair cut. They're choosing their hairstyles. Yet when they came to you, they're like your parents were in that mindset of you probably won't get their hair cut. They won't like it. Everything that is a real transformation to that child and that and how they see themselves. That's the thing is, I know you, you how you look and how you feel are often very much linked. And they might look in the mirror and look at the hair and not like it, but they can't accept the process of changing it. So if you can make that process easier, they can look in the mirror and like what they see and be more confident, which is a really big thing. Oh, yeah. And it'll create more positivity in other areas because they've achieved something. So if they can achieve a haircut, they can achieve well in school because they go, well, I've adapted to that situation. I can adapt to that situation. Yeah. Even as simple just playing football at school. It's all adaptation. And it's putting them into these situations and exposure to get stronger as a human being. Because we're all northern intelligent. The neuro neurotypical like the neurodiverse community. But they all know they, they actually achieve great things. So giving them tools to achieve these great things. They take a little bit longer than like a neurotypical, but they will do it in the end. It's all about patience. And taking your time to get to where they want to get to. Definitely. Right. So I'm going to wrap it up. So thank you for coming on the show today, Craig. I've really enjoyed it. And it's been great talking about something that every, well, lots of families with neurodiverse and other needs will go through and will hate. But it's nice to hear that there are barbers out there who are making a big difference and are welcoming to those who need it done differently, who won't cope with the typical way. So that's really nice to hear. You've given me some links. So you've given me links to the PEC cards for haircuts so people can use those. You've given me all your Twitter and email and Facebook groups. I am going to go find the Freddie the Fish with Fingers book and find a link yep. to that so I can stick that in there as well. And you'll also find Craig's contact details and you'll find all of those in the show notes wherever you listen to the podcast or on our website, You'll find them there. And also, I'll try and write down those clippers you mentioned. So you mentioned a brand yep. and a specific model. So I'll get those off here and I'll put those in there as well so people can know these are the ones which can make a difference for your child because they are quieter and less vibration. Yep. Um, so thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, click on that subscribe button and you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, we are at The Sendcast, on Facebook, The Sendcast, and on Instagram, The Sendcast. And as always, with B Squared, if you're struggling to show progress, if your assessment process is overcomplicated, takes too long, or you just want to see what is available, have a look at the B Squared website or book a free online meeting so we can take you through our products. We have a range of assessment products to help all schools show small sets of progress for people with SEND. And if you're a school in England still not sure about the engagement model or the pre-key stage standards, get in contact. You can also find out about our online training, our CPD. You can read our blog or watch our webinars. It is all on the B Squared website. And you'll find a link to the website and to book a meeting in the show notes. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. And if you have questions about barbers and haircutting and equipment, get in contact with Craig. I'm sure Craig, well, he seems like the sort of person who is really going to help anyone. Even if you're further away than Morecambe, I'm sure Craig is going to help and give advice on how he can help you and things to help you with maybe your local barber or he might know other barbers who could help. So thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.